0: I know that there are a few Dallas Cowboy fans among us. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry that you're Cowboys fans. I just know that, sadly, they're out of the playoffs. But I would offer to you that if you would like to become a Chiefs fan for the next two weeks, we broadly welcome you. <laughs> hey. I know you're going to cheer against the 49ers at least, so uh, come on. Uh, We are uh, a couple of weeks away, two weeks away from a very big game, and there's a game on today at two o'clock that um, my family cares about. We um, will be watching that, and a lot of times Super Bowl is, you know, used to be about the commercials, and now there's a lot of silliness, and and so it kind of my level of enthusiasm really does kind of ebb and flow based on who's playing. Uh, There was a Super Bowl in 2007 that was a Colt-Bears matchup. I uh, will tell you I'm not really a fan of the Colts or the Bears, but they were playing in 2007 in a matchup in Miami, and it was a distinct Super Bowl because it rained almost the whole time. It doesn't seem to rain very often in the Super Bowl maybe just uh, as luck would have it or, or the time of year in, ends up being a lot of them are played in domes but this Super Bowl it was raining and in fact it was a significant factor in the way that the game went because uh, Rex Grossman who was the quarterback for the Bears he fumbled uh, the ball a number of times. The ball gets slippery when it's wet, and it impacted their playing, but it didn't seem to impact Peyton Manning in quite the same way. He didn't fumble at all. And uh, they went on to win. Peyton uh, led his team to victory that night, and then several weeks later, a reporter was asking some questions of Manning about their performance and, and playing and what seemed to make the difference. And in that interview, Peyton said, that one of the things that he did was is that he would get his center, Jeff Saturday, to, to spend a little extra time after practice every once in a while and would snap water-soaked footballs. He would get a bucket, fill it with water, soak those footballs in there, and he would practice catching wet footballs. And he did this because he knew that there might come a time where... He was going to need to be prepared to catch that wet football, and it paid off for him in the biggest of ways, on the biggest stage. This practice, this method at play, is called indirection. It is when you have a circumstance that you can't recreate, a pressure situation which you only are going to have to deal with it when you get there, a situation that's beyond your control, there are things that lead you to be more prepared to handle that situation, and you affect those things. It is practicing with wet footballs on a dry day at an indoor practice facility so that if you get on the biggest stage in the world in your sport and it is pouring down rain, you are better prepared to deal with it. It's impacting the things that are within your control so that you're better able to succeed When circumstances are out of your control, this is true for the Christian life in some ways. We are called to be like Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't wake up every morning and think, Today I will be like Jesus, and then I just go out in the world and I am. I act like he acts, I talk like he talks, I do the things that he does, I have all the right thoughts. No amount of willpower makes that come about for me. If it does for you, let's talk later. I can't will myself to be like Christ, but yet God has asked me to be like Christ. So uh, this principle of indirection, impacting the things that are within your control, adjusting the habits and the practices that are within your, your realm of decision-making so that it impacts the things that are well beyond your control. Uh, We hear in Ephesians chapter 5 this call to be like God. Uh, Paul is writing and he says, therefore be imitators of God as his beloved children. Imitate God. Uh, In 1 John 2 6 it says, whoever says I abide in him ought to walk just as he walked. There are passages over and over again that call us to be like Christ, to be imitators of Christ. Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. Jesus says, uh, be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. It seems like an impossible task sometimes. So it's worth spending some time asking. Well, if God has asked us to be like Jesus, surely he's given us a way. Surely he has uh, some wisdom for us if we're going to live a life and, and commit to following him. And, and in the church, we call that formation or transformation, spiritual formation, the ways in which we are changed. If you are someone who has been following Jesus for a long time, I assume and I hope that your life looks pretty different than it did in some of the earliest days. That it has been shaped to be more like Christ. Maybe you're not all the way there yet. A work in progress going on to fulfill the perfect example that he has given to us. It's kind of mysterious, but 2 Corinthians 5 that we heard just a few moments ago says, If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Totally new. Utterly different. Uh, The old has passed away. And see, everything has become new. It goes on, it says, see, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. More on that in a moment. In Christ, we are a new creation. Seems kind of like a mystery, isn't it? I mean, we look and feel kind of like uh, ourselves. Belief in Jesus doesn't sort of radically uh, change the way that we act, at least not immediately, And in fact, it is all too easy for me to return to old habits and old ways, fall into old patterns, and frankly, the kind of spiritual change that I think God is doing in my life seems like it's fairly slow. One of the ideas about this spiritual life, this process of becoming more like Jesus, is indirection. It's like Peyton Manning snapping water-soaked footballs. There are things that you can do. There are practices that you can take on. There are ways of engaging uh, the spiritual life on a daily basis that add up and accumulate and aggregate in your life, and they make you different. I want to share with you a model of spiritual formation. It's, a, it's an idea of how we change. So uh, rather than us just thinking, well, how do we get from A to B? How do we get there? Um, there's a lot of people who write books on these kinds of things and teach classes. And, and this is a model of spiritual formation that comes from um, a man named James Bryan Smith. He has a whole series of books. And uh, James Bryan Smith suggests that um, one way we can think about this is, is there are three areas of things that you have control over in your life. You have control over the stories, the stories you tell yourself, the things that you believe. They can be uh, the narratives of Jesus. They can be consistent with God's truth, or they might be uh, antithetical to God's truth. Sometimes we believe all the wrong things about who we are and the power we have or or, or what God can or can't do. One example of this is that uh, sometimes somewhere along the line, we, we sort of take on this belief that God is an angry God, and he's just waiting for us to mess up. To condemn us or punish us, and what happens is that you take that narrative and you place it next to the narratives of Jesus, you look at who who Christ is and what he teaches in Scripture, and then you say, Well, maybe that thing that I've held i 've held in belief is not true, and so one of the ways that we're formed to be like Jesus is we go through our lives and we read the scriptures, we study the Bible, and, and we take a look at the things that we believe, the narratives and the stories we tell ourselves that frankly are not true, and we set them aside we let Truth take over our life and our worldview. We impact the stories that we tell ourselves, the things that we read. The next thing would be in the lower right-hand corner is our community. I spoke in the last two weeks really in a couple of different ways. The people who you are around make a big difference for who you are. People either encourage you and, and they have common values and beliefs and they lead you in ways that are helpful and healthy. They model that for you, they held you accountable, or they don't. They encourage you to make the choices that are not as faithful and not as helpful, or they just their perspective just is continually dragging you down, Uh, choosing despair over hope again and again. Bad company corrupts good character is one of the ways the scripture says it. So uh, you have control over your community, you can choose who you spend time with. You can choose the things uh, that that you do during the week. If making Bible study it, is a part of that, then you're putting yourself in a community with others uh, who are are going to lift you up and encourage you in the way. If having a friend who you regularly check in with on the phone and and, in, and suggest that you're going to pray for each other, and you ask how each other is doing, and and you do pray for each other, and and you do hold each other accountable, well, that's going to help you to live a life that's more faithful and more like Christ. So we have control over our, the stories, the things we're learning, the things that we tell ourselves. We have um, control over our community, who we spend our time with. And then the third thing is soul training or spiritual disciplines. Soul training exercises. It's another way of, uh, of, of saying spiritual disciplines, which maybe you've heard of. It's this idea that, um, that we train our soul, our spirit, If you are an athlete and you are going to run a marathon, you do certain practices, training exercises, to prepare for your marathon. You go run. But not only do you run, you probably also um, lift weights and maybe do some flexibility, some yoga or some stretching on a regular basis. You probably eat certain foods. You have certain practices which help prepare you for the thing that you want to do. Well, similarly, if uh, being like Jesus, if being a person who— uh, reflects God's glory as something that you want to do, there are practices that you can do that will actually help shape you in that way, that will encourage you along that way, and so that's kind of where we're going to lean into today, but one of the things that's most important about all of this is, is that, I said, indirection is affecting the things that you can change um, knowing that there's situations and circumstances that are beyond your control. Well, In the life of spiritual formation, there are things that we can do, practices we can change, things we can take on. And when we do so, we step into a a life where the Holy Spirit is already at work, where the power of God is already poured out upon you, where God is already at work nudging you, pushing you, encouraging you along the way, where, where, where the Spirit is already at work convicting you of sin or calling you towards your best self. The spirit has already begun a good work in you. When you uh, address the habits and the practices you have, you uh, you you work <laughs> you work with God who is already at work. It, it, things go better <laughs> that way when we work with God rather than against him. Well, uh, one of the things that that is significant in this, we've been talking about habits. Um, our habits form us. The things that we do shape the person um, that we are. The, the do shapes the who. They, they add up small things over time, over a lifetime, and they form our identity. And so if you're going to be like Christ, it's helpful to do the things that Christ did. So if I were to name some of the spiritual disciplines, the soul training exercises that we see embodied in the life of Christ— That sounds like prayer, studying the scriptures, uh, teaching, teaching others, showing them the way. It's fasting, it's serving others, it's participating in worship, it's having meals with friends. It's talking about the character of God. And it's resting, setting aside time to be still and slow down and get the rest we need. These are the things that Jesus did. If we want to be like Jesus, we do the things that Jesus did. We take on these holy habits. They will form our identity. I said that part of this works because the Holy Spirit is already at work within us. Ephesians 3, uh, verse 20 and 21 says, Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. These are words that usually get used as a blessing, a benediction. Uh, They say, though, that there is one at work within us who is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. This is the power of God at work in us. Another verse says, uh, nope, not there. Uh, When we change our practices, we participate in the the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. When I think about what we're doing, um, a lot of times people say, like, I would like to pray more. That's a kind of common thing. Christians usually think, like, praying is important and it's significant, and I probably don't do it as much as I would like to. And so I tell people, uh, it helps to look at your life and things that you regularly are doing, and then um, find spots that are really natural places to pray. The very first one of those would be um, to pray twice a day, when you first wake up and right before you go to bed. To begin the day by saying, God, here I am, everything is yours, lead me today, be with me, thanks for this day, any of those things. And then at the end of the day, when you come to the end of it all, to say, uh, thank you for this day, or forgive me for the ways that I've messed up. Sometimes you come to the end of that day and you know, like, that did not go well. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask him for your blessing. Ask him for a new day tomorrow. Start over again, and good rest at night. If you want to pray uh, more than that, a friend of mine shared that, you know, he he suggests that people pray five times a day, that right when they wake up and right when they go to bed, but then also at each meal. We teach our kids that here in the preschool, and uh, we teach them prayers to say before a meal. It's a natural part of something that we're regularly doing every day. Stop, and right before you eat that meal, just even if you're out in, or you're in your workplace or out in public, I mean, just pause and say, Lord, you provide for me and I am so grateful. It changed the way the rest of your day goes. There are uh, all kinds of other things that we can do in bringing in these holy practices. Uh, we can do scripture before screen. That's a big one. Go to the Bible before you turn on your phone or your television or you look at social media. Uh, let the first... Truth that comes in be from God, before whatever other voices and messages are coming at you. Uh, in our household, we have a practice of reading a Psalm together. Ben and I read a Psalm together every day. Um, when we move through the Psalms, we begin at the first one, and then each day we go to the next subsequent one, and then we start over again. It puts us in a position of of prayer and of worship because Psalms are prayers. Um, they sometimes give words to the circumstances we're feeling. There's psalms that express such great joy, and there are psalms that express the depths of real sorrow. The psalms are also an opportunity to, to read over and over again uh, all these attributes and aspects of the character of God. I don't know what practices you need to add. Maybe it's a regular connection with somebody else who's going to encourage you along the way. Maybe it's time to join a Bible study. Maybe you need to have a prayer partner. The thing about all these things, though, is that we don't do them in order to earn God's favor. We don't do all these things so that we kind of like rack up heavenly bonus points. And though we wouldn't say it, sometimes we operate out of a position where we think, gosh, Jesus has done so much for me. Maybe I need to do a lot for him to repay him and somehow uh, come to balance the eternal scales. But that's not how it works with God. That's not how he measures uh, faithfulness. In fact, he, he says, I would give you everything even if you give nothing back. Even if you never pray. Even if you never read your scripture. No, uh, the disciplines and the practices are, are things that lead to a good life. It's not about earning something or accomplishing something. It's it's because they're wisdom, not righteousness. They lead us in, in ways that really do shape us and our lives to look more like Jesus. One of the things in this book by Justin Early that I was talking about with our kids, Habits of the Household, one of the things that he says in there is, you know, our habits won't change God's love for us, but God's love absolutely should change our habits. When we experience God's love, it causes us to want to live differently. Pastor Rich Viodias, who's a pastor of a church in Queens, he says, God's, God doesn't love you more because you pray a lot. God doesn't love you less if you pray just a little. No, God's love is perfect and unconditional. And in fact, the more that we pray the more we become aware of that perfect and unconditional love. We don't do these things because it it earns favor in God's eyes, but we do it because we are so deeply and dearly loved. The book Habits of the Household is the book that the nighttime evening blessing comes from. It's a book that is written um, about habits, and particularly habits within a household. So if uh, you live, uh, you have a spouse or a roommate or kids or grandkids that live with you, there are some awesome, awesome things in here. A few of the habits are directed to the individual, but most of the habits are directed to relationships. Um, it, it just some some ideas about how to, how to pass on uh, faithful habits to kids or to grandkids. A regular kind of Rituals and routines things that we can do that point to the love of God because the truth is is that One Sunday on occasion in church or in Sunday school isn't going to form a a child to be a lifelong follower of Christ It's all the millions of things that happen in the home day in day out over a lifetime even when they come every out every week for an hour over all of their young years Uh, That impact is good, and it's important. It's going to teach some some things, but it doesn't do quite the same thing as coming to the breakfast table and seeing mom or dad with the Bible open. It doesn't do quite the same thing as being prayed over by a parent. It doesn't do quite the same thing as as a regular practice of saying, um, you are forgiven when they've messed up and done wrong and then pointing to the love of God. These kinds of things add up over a lifetime and form Christian character. This book has a lot of just practical things, a lot of ideas, and I commend it to you. Uh, if you have a friend, uh, if it's your household, if it's you've got grandkids or kids raising kids, um, there's some really good stuff in here. Again, Habits of the Household by Justin Early. And some of those bedtime blessings are out on the children's check-in table out, out there. I say these things because uh, I realize that we have uh, a thousand choices uh, about our habits. And sometimes it seems like a lot just to get the habits right for ourselves. But we live in community, and there's other people who are watching us. Sometimes there are little people in our homes. Sometimes it's a coworker or a neighbor. And the life that you live... The habits that you have, the way that that shows up in the consistency with the character of Christ, well, that teaches them about the character and nature of God. That shows them the love of God with skin on. And this is how God has chosen to do it. He invites us to be his ambassadors. That was the word that showed up in that Second Corinthians text. He invites us to be the image of God living in this world. And so I know it's easy to hear about all these habits and think, eh, I've been doing this a long time. I'm just as much like Jesus as I'm ever going to be. No, this is good enough. Lots of transformation has happened. Just let's leave it alone. In fact, somebody came up to me um, and said, I think I'm going to skip the week that you talk about habits that hurt because I just don't want to hear about it. There are... things for all of us to continue to turn over to God. And, and yet it's easy to think, well, what difference does one little practice, one little habit make? But little changes make a big difference over time. They aggregate. They compound. If you prayed one more time a week for a year, if you prayed one more time a day every week for a year, I promise you the depth and experience you will have of God will be different. And again, it's not just for our own sake. It's not just for our own I- enjoyment so that we live a good life. But God is changing us for his glory. He's also changing us for the sake of our neighbor and our coworker, our grandkids, our friends, the strangers around us. He, in 2 Corinthians 5, it said, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone away, the new has come. This happens because God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. It is through the power of Christ at work that we are able to become like God. But then it goes on and it says, uh, So we are—he has entrusted us the message of reconciliation, and we are ambassadors for Christ, for God is making his appeal through us. My friends, we have to give ourselves to this work of holy habits and being transformed because God is using us— to share his love with the world. There are other people that see you and know you're a Christian and they, wanna, and they say, well, what does that mean? How do I see it? If you are a, a, a voice of calm or a voice of encouragement when everybody else seems to be uh, spinning in a frenzy, you're embodying a characteristic of Christ. If you are patient, endlessly patient, when everybody else seems just way too short, you're embodying the love of Christ when you lead your school or your business or your household uh, uh, in a manner that has the integrity of of Christ, you show people God's love. We are ambassadors for Christ. God makes his appeal through us. My friends, it is worth it. You don't need to be overwhelmed and get it all put together, but take one small step. Adjust one habit. Uh, uh, snap water-soaked footballs. <laughs> Do one thing that helps you more uh, ready and more faithful to live in the patterns of Christ. For he is using us as a light to the world to show other people that they are loved, to demonstrate his goodness and his reconciliation. So the people will be on to this place. I hope you'll join me. Will you pray with me? Holy Lord, we thank you that, you that you work with us, that you loved us and accepted us when we were a mess, when we didn't really uh, know all the right things or say all the right things. You loved us. But also that you aren't content to leave us that way that you have a higher and a deeper and what seems like an almost impossible calling for us. You set the bar high. You want us to be like Jesus. yet you also give us all sorts of practical wisdom to get there and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, running ahead of us, working in our hearts and our lives. So God, would you change us? help us to give all that we are over to you to see the ways uh, that we that we're making the wrong choices, that we're doing the wrong things. We're just being selfish or we're being lazy. And turn them over to you, God. Have your way in us. Give us your grace, equip us for the journey, and Lord, even that others would see And know that you are good because they see that in us. What a gift. What a privilege. What an honor. So as you call us, may we go. In Jesus' name, amen.